All right, welcome back to the big program. Oilers uh, on the ice this morning at 11 o'clock for practice. Mark Spector just reporting that he expects Corey Perry to be on the practice ice this morning with the Oilers, and then I would imagine he would meet the media after practice. Uh, So that's... uh, developing signing with the orders that will be happening here in the next uh, couple of hours of official announcement, I guess. Uh, time now to welcome in our next uh, guest, Craig Ellis, former CFLer. Craig, uh, thanks for coming on Sports 1440. You're with Kevin Karius and Lori Ann Munzer. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. How are you two doing? We're doing just fabulous here. We're so excited that you could join us and talk about, you know, the past, the present, uh, the future, and uh, kind of what you've been up to. But, you know, you, you had so many great seasons in the CFL. You know, in Edmonton, you were one of the most, I guess, exciting players to watch in the entire league. Just kind of what do you remember about your, your time, most specifically when you were with the Green and Gold here in Edmonton? Well, thanks thanks for uh, having me on, Kelvin. I tell you, you have a real good partner in that, Lori. I know she, <laughs> since she won her gold medal, she's been doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Got her hands in everything. Well, I, I, I have, you know, with social media and everything, um, I, I, I periodically I do look back, but I have some uh, people that I've met, uh, Mike Kinnison, who, who was an uh, Edmonton uh, Eskimo big-time fan, and, and uh, Tom Tom Elder, who's uh, a Calgary fan, but they've been helping me uh, reminiscing a little bit. They, they took all the film that I played in, in the mm-hmm. NFL and the CFL, and they turned it into uh, DVDs, so it's a little easier. And the other day, I was watching the 84 uh, Saskatchewan and Montreal game when I played with Joe Papa, and one thing happened that I, that I remember was my band blitzed on a play and hit Joe Pawpaw in the chin, busted the lip. Uh, I released because I wanted to get the ball, but I should have stayed in the block. But, but Joe got me the rock. I made the first down, but when I got back to the hole, I said, Paul, I'm sorry. I said, Ellie, don't worry about it. If you don't get him, I'll get him. And he's been my dude ever since. <laughs> That's a neat story. So, uh, Craig, when you were here, uh, they kind of moved you into the slot back position and you just found the success there, you know, in, in from 89, late eighties into the nineties. What was it about that move for you, uh, your positional move that allowed you to have that kind of success, I guess? Well, in, uh, 82, I signed as a free agent with the San Francisco 49ers and they're the one that, uh, uh, converted me into a receiver. And at lunch, lunch we were walked to lunch with a guy named uh ray newman he was in a scout for the edmonton eskimos and me and ray would talk a lot and i think back then uh i i wasn't sure if it was waddell or uh uh brian kelly someone hurt their hand in 82 when i was in camp and and ray told me that uh, he knew i wasn't gonna leave he knew what kind of competitor i was and i was in a good position and, to get a job competing against Ronaldo Nehemiah. But one of them got hurt, and he asked me if I wanted to play right away. I can go up there and play. But I couldn't walk away from the competition that I was in. So I was after my three-year stint in the NFL, I was pretty much ready to retire because of the politics that was going on. And I got a phone call from a guy named Frankie Morris. Mm -hmm. And and it was 89. He says, Craig, we've been thinking about bringing you in, but not as a running back. 
were thinking about the slot back. And when he, when Frankie asked me that or told me that, it was almost like, hey, I've never done that before. Let's do this. So it was something different, something new. And then, you know, when you, when you play a different position, you got to learn the, the, the tendiments and uh, the keys on that position. I had some great help with, uh, you know, guys like um, uh, Marco Sinkar, uh, uh, Tom Richards, you know, uh, at that time, uh, they, they were sharing their, their, their experience playing the slot back position, but it didn't take me long, Kevin. You know that. <laughs> I think you like <laughs> you a challenge, Craig. If you can catch the ball, <laughs> you, you can play. I, th- I think you're always up for a challenge from what I know about you. Cause I remember being at hardcore gym. I don't think it's called that here, just South of the velodrome. Cause we used to be there training my coach, myself, and a couple other guys. Mm-hmm. And I always remember you being around there. And it was just there, you have a certain presence. I think you also love that challenge, that excitement. So let me ask you this, Craig, going from the NFL into the CFL to the NFL and then back to the CFL, how big of a challenge and a change is that? Because different rules, different size of field. How did that go for you? Walk us through that. And you know, Lori, uh, it takes a competitor to know a competitor. And I used to observe you in that weight room. And I tell you, you got the best of those weights every time. I know that. <laughs> and, Thanks, man. Well, the question you asked is, is, is actually a, a good question, Lori, because when I was playing uh, in the NFL, the NFL players will go to camp a lot earlier. So I ended up playing flag football just so I can get some repetition and catching the ball and running routes before I went into camp. So that was really hard adjustment for me coming out of the CFL going into the NFL. But the rules and regulation, it's so – the CFL is a a different type of football. It's exciting. It's fast. And at that time, you know, we we were playing – uh, four preseason games and six games, but you know, in the in the NFL, the, you know, there's 16 games, and you know, we went to 16 games and two preseason. It's been all through over the years, but when you can when you put both uh, 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 type of football against each other, I would say the NFL because of the size of the field and because of the players, especially now, Lori, these kids nowadays. They're bigger, they're stronger, faster. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, the the game. Like I remember back in the day when I played running back, you know, I was blocking guys like two twenty, maybe two thirty at linebacker. These linebackers now are two sixty and running four five, four four speed. So it's 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 quicker. You got tons of better athletes in the NFL because at that level, there's so many colleges in the States that producing these athletes. So if you look at the 30 teams and, you know, everyone has about 50 players on a team, you know, it's about 1,500 players, right? So you're going to get the best of the best. And then the CFL with the wide field and with the 32nd, with the game ever moving, it's so exciting. I, I remember a game we were playing in Toronto, 1985. And we were down by six points with 30 seconds left. We took the ball on our, our 35, and we ended up winning. And that's what the CFL gives you, a chance to be in the game at all times. 
Craig Ellis, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with Lorianne Munzer. Uh, Craig, when you were in Saskatchewan, you had two phenomenal seasons with the Rough Riders in the mid-'80s where you scored 29 touchdowns over uh, a two-year span. Only Kenny Carpenter and George Reed scored more touchdowns for the Riders in back-to-back seasons. When you're, when you say your name, Craig Ellis, in the company of a George Reed, what's that mean to you? Wow. I get it. You know, I, I was privileged to get a chance to visit Mr. Reed before he passed. Mm-hmm. There's so much. Um, I've been planning a, a, a golf tournament down there for the mental, uh, uh, mental health. And I wanted to get down there to see George because I know he's getting up in that age and he's always been a, a, a genuine guy. I mean, really genuine. He, I, I knew him when he was working with the bats and, you know, he was doing some things on the, uh, and for the community in, in Saskatchewan. He's a legend. Him in Lancaster and Saskatchewan, he's a legend. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, something, I, I saw a jersey of his. They have it hanging up in the, in the office and you can see all the stitches that they had to stitch up and you see blood on this. On this. And then you watch film of George and how he ran the ball. He reminds him of Jim Brown, a punishing runner. You know, he... You might get your licks on him, but he's going to get someone new too. So when I, whenever my name is mentioned in the likes of uh, Joey Walters or or uh, George Reed, Lancaster, it's an honor. And I, I think I would have stayed in Saskatchewan if Coach Goddard wouldn't have followed me from Calgary and got rid of me then. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about you've started this, I'm going to say enterprise, alumni in action, and you're always big on giving back to the community and your roots of getting into the game, but giving back. Talk talk to us about what alumni in action is all about. Well, once I retired, Lori, uh, you know, when we were kids growing up, you know, all we wanted to do is what we dreamed of. And I wasn't just playing football. I wanted to be on Monday night because everybody had to watch Monday night. Even the players from the other teams in the other leagues, everyone watched Monday night. And I had the privilege of playing on five Monday night games. So that was one of the things that was fulfilling. And when I do look at those games, I, I remember when I was a kid looking back at Kansas City versus Miami, watching Miami go undefeated, those back in the 70s, those were some good years back in the... At that time, Kansas City was my team. But when I finished playing football, I started a personal training and uh, company, and I, I was helping others uh, get in shape, lose weight, get stronger, you know, whatever they wanted to do through the uh, uh, things I've learned from my trainers from each of the league, uh, each of the teams that I played for. So it, it, it gave me uh, a comfort of helping others. But at one time, I was sitting on my couch downstairs. You know, I, I, I had a pretty successful personal day. I was busy. I always stay busy. You know that. When I was in hardcore, I always had clients. I had clients that I trained for over 25 years, handful of them, right? But I wasn't happy. And then I thought about what I can do and how I can get a niche in helping young athletes 
uh, not to do some of the things that happened to me. I don't know if you two knew this, but uh, I was heavily recruited by Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo Schumbecker came to my house in Los Angeles. My neighbors thought <laughs> my neighbors thought they were the FBI, but <laughs> uh, Bo Schumbecker, the offensive coordinator, the running back coach, and the offensive line coach pulls up in a rental car sedan and uh, met my parents. And they told them they were interested in me. But at the time of the uh, signing, which I didn't know because I always knew you had to have the 2.5 uh, grade point average in June. But it was a little different when you're signing your letter of intent. You had to have it in January. And I didn't know that. And I didn't have the grades. So things like that and other things happened to me. And my I wanted to help other young athletes with things like that, making them aware or giving them the uh, heads up or having their parents knowing what the other player. That was another thing. My parents were, you know, they never graduated out of uh, junior high school. You know, they went, they, they were forced to work at a young age, you know, to look after their siblings. So I, I, I wanted to see how I can do that. And with the Lord help, I formed a 501-3C company down in Los Angeles, a nonprofit, and I've got, I have 16 teams committed to a three-week passing tournament where I built some curriculums that's going to help coaches, parents, and players, and I'm just going to start something and build on it, and hopefully it'll keep me occupied and give me something to do, and then it'll help others. Yeah, that's That's what it's all about, yeah. Um, Craig Ellis with us on Sports 1440. How much football do you watch now, Craig? And who are some of the players that might, you know, kind of bring you out of your seat, maybe either in the NFL or, or the CFL? Uh, like who who interests you to say, ah, I'm going to watch this guy in this game or something like that? There is one player, Kevin, that, I, that pops to my mind when you ask me that, but majority of the football I'm watching these days are high school. Hmm. And I love it. I see some really good young talent. I have a kid that I met who I mentor. His name is Matt. Uh, he's playing at a, he was, he finished his last his senior year in a, a high school in Portland, Oregon. His dad is a professor down there, but he, uh, he went to Harry Ainley and I went to every one of his junior year games and senior year games. But when I go down to the States, because I, um, I, I have 16 high schools that's committed to my passing tournament. I always try to stay in the coach's face. So I, I attend a lot more high school football and watch a lot more high school football. But when you ask me that question, there was one guy that comes to my mind. And it was a gentleman that played at Winnipeg, a running back. But then he went to Toronto. I can't remember his name. Pinball? He was a running back. Are you thinking like pinball or something? No, no. He was a young kid, a younger kid. I think he's going to retire this year. He was at Toronto this year hmm. with that Oglay, the other running back. Okay. There was two running backs there. He was on the bench. But he, I really liked him because he ran the ball with, 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 with power, but, but he also caught the ball out of the backfield and went up there. I wish I knew his name. Yeah, well, we'll you know, figure that out. We'll get, the, we'll get uh, Donovan the intern on that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Really... Brad, no, Brad didn't know. He would know. But, yeah, he was with Toronto. Um, he Is was it Andrew Harris? Andrew Harris? 
Yeah. Hey, there yes. we go. Ready to go, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> the Duke wasn't on that one either. Yeah, no. Andrew Harris, you, there you go. You know why with with Harris, he, he reminds he did some of the things that I did in the league. And uh, I, I remember a coach that I had, uh, Jerry Keelan. And I remember I was in Saskatchewan. He says, Chris, why do I want to give you a handoff with this wide field? I'd rather get you in space, get you the ball, and let you do your thing. Hmm. And I didn't understand at the time, but all I wanted was the ball. So it didn't matter how I got it. But I look at Andrew Harris, the same type of player. You know, if he wasn't running the ball, they were tossing in the screens and getting them in the put in the in the in the um, in the play. Mm-hmm. So when you ask me about players that I like to sit down and watch, he was one of them. Well, we really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, or do you got one more? Lori, I just got, got one. Lori has one more for you. Friday okay. is a big day for you, buddy. Mm. I'm going to wish you a happy oh. early birthday. <laughs> and Gretzky, and Gretzky, and Kim. Can't forget about the great work. You betcha. Yeah, man. Good company. You've been sharing that birthday. You know I know Gretz, and thank yeah. you, Gloria. Yeah, it's going to be my birthday. But me and Gretz, we were in uh, Toronto. I'm not going to tell you where we were at, but we were in Toronto, and it was with Eddie Milo and Mike yeah. Burnett. And we were chatting about it. And I said, all right, Gretz, what time were you born? <laughs> and he was born a little after six in Brampton. Brantford, yeah. I was born I was born a little after six in California. So he is older than me. <laughs> but then we were having our first child and he had his first daughter in August. So I had my first daughter in September. Wow. And then when he had his son in April, I said, All right, I got a son. But then I had another daughter in May, so I guess He's the great one. <laughs> <laughs> it's also my neighbor Olga Hanachik's 90th birthday on Friday. Same oh, day as you, Craig, and same day as Gretz. Oh, my God. Look at that. You nice. give that lady a big hug and a kiss for me. I will. And uh, we really liked uh, you coming on. It was great to, to catch up with you and uh, continued success uh, with your uh, your work uh, here and in L.A. Uh, thanks for coming on. Okay, I'll keep you guys posted once we're doing things. You thanks, betcha. Laurie. I appreciate everything. You thanks so much. Take care. That's Craig Ellis, former CFLer. Man, he had a couple seasons in Saskatchewan that were just dynamite. Then when he came up here, like he again, they converted him to slot back. Yes. And, and it was Joe Farigelli who was coaching here. And he had the ability to, you know, he was such an incredible pass catcher. And he, where he was lined up in the slot, it allowed him to have a lot more receptions than he would be on the outside, obviously. But just the way that he was able to, again, and he says it, he, he used the, the width of the field. Yes. It was a big thing for him because he had the ability to, to turn the corner, had the ability to, you know, go north-south. Yes. You know, he was a full package, when you know, catching the ball after, you know. Absolutely. And the one thing I loved is when he was talking about, like, he's a guy that loves a challenge. Like, give him the impossible challenge and he is totally there. I mean, think about it. He finished his career with 2,095 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. 580 catches, 7,757 yards receiving. Well, in 89, in 89, he had 80 catches here mm-hmm. uh, for the then Eskimos. Yes. 1990, had 106 catches. Yes. Like amazing. Uh, had 1,654 yards and 17 touchdowns in that season in 1990. And uh, then the, the, the two years after that, 66 catches and 62 catches. He had nine TDs, 17 TDs, 10 and 10 in that four-year span here. 
You know, those are numbers. That's remarkable. I mean, unbelievable numbers. Um, again, he had the ability in the slot, lined up in the slot to have, uh, he was a game changer for the football team. Yeah. It's, it's that simple. Uh, when we come back, we'll have a little uh, text time. We'll check in with the Duke. He's, I thought he looked like he nodded off there for a second there, Duke. Or not? You're okay? I'm always okay. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure what I, was going I, I'm, on I'm there. keeping up with the news of the mornings, looking for, uh, of yeah. course, uh, Speck, uh, as you mentioned off the top there, saying that he expects Corey Perry to be on the mm-hmm. ice here when the Oilers take to uh, the sheet. I was just looking for any other... Uh, tidbits if there was an, any official word from the Oilers yet or anything along those lines. A little snippet, a little harbinger? Just, I'm, I'm pounding the pavement. We're trying know. to get a couple AJHL guests on, but no one's talking. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I sent out one feeler yesterday mm. to see if we could maybe get somebody on and to no avail, and unfortunately it's looking the same today, which is totally understandable yeah. uh, from both the, the teams that are... Uh, you know, report, teams, yeah. reportedly departing. Um, I assume they're kind of pretty under hot trust until things get sorted out on the official capacity. And then, of course, the league itself probably wanted to get this uh, sorted out before making any um, yeah. media appearances. But you yeah. never know. Hopefully we can hear back and, and get some confirmation one way or the other. When we come back, a little open time with uh, L.A. and the Duke uh, coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Now we're talking Duke. This brings back your Grey Cup memories, doesn't it, L.A.? I love it. That was such a good game. They're such an awesome band. This is such a great morning. I mean, that's a triple That's a triple right there. I mean, how how much better can it get? Well, it's going to get better with the signing of Corey Perry here. And again, Mark Spector yes. reporting that he will be on the ice. The orders take the practice ice today at 11. We had a few text people wondering... Would there be a news conference availability? Well, basically, they'll he'll skate, and then they'll have, you know, a scrum, I would imagine, uh, in the dressing room after or, you know, just outside the locker room uh, t- with Corey Perry. So, Beerman says, do you think Corey Perry signs here if uh, the Oilers weren't on a 13-game winning streak? I think it definitely helps. I mean, let's be honest. If the Oilers were in a position where they were at the start of the year, Corey Perry isn't signing here uh, when they were 30th. But uh, a 13-game winning streak and an 8-game winning streak kind of changes that a lot. Duke? Bonus? I was actually, just as I was out getting my coffee made, having a quick chat with one of the uh, great sales people here at the Stinger Studios ta- talking about this exact situation mm-hmm. and the, the timing of this signing. And I think it really boils down to a couple things. The doing it before the all-star break here because basically it people might be concerned about you know the team chemistry and obviously they're rolling right now on these consecutive victories but we all know the Oilers are going to lose a hockey game again yes. that is just a, it's a matter of a fact statement uh the three games left before the break are uh, Columbus Chicago and Nashville three very winnable games and the first two of which against pretty inferior opponents yeah so columbus and chicago are bad teams bad teams nashville's got a decent team oh yes and, and i mean and hey, they we, play the oilers tough all the time always. and afternoon games not the oilers best friends. yes and nashville plays very well in the afternoon so my, the, my point of this being that signing perry now whether he plays any of these games or is just practicing like and so it's like, oh, what if they lose? Well, it's obviously put you in a good spot. You're playing a couple really bad teams. So the chances of losing and, you know, and I doubt the Oilers care about public perception about, oh, they lose as soon as they sign this new player who has reportedly obviously already had some uh, issues in team locker rooms this year. The thing is, going back prior to this, and we've talked about this with Frank over the last couple of weeks, like there is no previous incidence of on Corey Perry's record about being 
a bad teammate, a uh, you know, a quote unquote locker locker room cancer all stuff. Like this, this kind of looks like a standalone incident as far as we know. Yeah. So I, I don't really get the the blowback in terms of people saying that he's going to come in and mess no. with the mojo. Like, this is a guy that's played a 1,000 games in this league. He's a Hart Trophy winner. And like we talked about with Speck, yeah, his, I mean, he was never the most fleet of foot, and even that's gone downhill. But he's a guy that performs in the playoffs and and brings an element that the Oilers are a little bit in the lacking, uh, lacking in that department. So it, it makes tons of sense. And so the people concerned about the winning streak and stuff, like, well, it's going to end at some point. And getting Perry some reps here before the All-Star break, I think will go a long way to help uh, transition him into the team a little more seamlessly. Uh, LJ from Lloyd Minster says, any idea what number CP is going to wear? I might order a jersey. Well, the Duke said he felt it would be 24, but also 61 is an option. In the NHL, he wore 61 as a rookie and then 10 uh, each subsequent year after in Anaheim. He wore 10 with Tampa, 94 with Montreal and Chicago. Uh, but internationally, he has most often, I believe, worn 24, 24 when playing for Team Canada because usually 10 is taken by another player. And I don't think he's a super, super, like a big time superstitious guy. So he'll just wear whatever. But uh, my my best bet would be 24. We'll see what the Duke says. 24. Wow. You order your jerseys now. And if it's wrong, uh, <laughs> he comes in with 61. <laughs> don't uh, don't come crying to me. Oh, boy. What do you think? So L.A. in the chemistry department here. Okay, right now this team is brimming with confidence. That is a that's a no brainer. The chemistry when you have confidence, chemistry is a big part of it. So now you're changing the formula here a little bit. The Oilers are going to have to make a roster move. Someone else is going to have to be sent down, waived, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. to Baco. Because they can't afford the contract situation, they don't have enough cap space right now. So there, there, there has to be a coinciding move. Having said all that, is there? Would you would you be wary of maybe the chemistry angle uh, upsetting the apple cart a little bit? I think that's a great question. I don't think it's going to change the formula. I think it's going to enhance the formula because I know Speck was talking about speed not really being there. But then you look at the skill. You also look at the veteran presence, the age. He's got something that the other athletes don't. And I think we're really going to see that come out. And I think it's going to come out in the form of skill and timing. Text coming in, one 1440 What do you think of the Corey Perry signing with the Edmonton Oilers? Kyle from Millwood says, if it's true, I saw Perry coming here a mile away. All in love's reclamation projects. Barber and Peace River says, I say don't put him in until we lose. He might disrupt the aura. LJ from Lloyd goes 24. I love it. A little McClelland magic. Kevin McClelland. Do you remember him, Duke, or not? I don't. Oh, what co- the, like, co- when, Duke! When did he, when did he oh, play? Oh, you're killing me, man. Well, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Kevin McClelland scored one of the biggest goals in Oilers history against the Islanders. Oh. In uh, 1984 Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, that, here's another thing. You look at all those teams and then even go back when the Oilers were playing against the Islanders in 83, you know, in the final, the higher scoring games, higher scoring games. Then they get into that 1984 final with the Islanders and everything gets buckled up, tightened up, and they end up playing 
kind of how they're playing right now. One nothing. You know, two one, three one. You know, they've allowed ten. They've allowed two goals or less in eleven straight games. Yes. I mean, that's record amazing. history record. Mm-hmm. Stu says. Kane and Perry on a line together would be great. Our own Smash Brothers line. Atticus says, uh, is this 100% confirmed that CP is playing here? Well, the only thing that hasn't happened is an official announcement, but I think you could bet on it if you'd like. That is the way things go. Nothing is, (laughs) unless unless you're Lou Lamorello announcing that uh, Patrick Waugh is the new head coach, most things are getting leaked out before. (laughs) <laughs> That's just the way it is right now. Duke says 99.5%. That's what you've sent to Attica. That, that's like based on everything. Like Speck is saying he's going to be on the ice. <laughs> what, what are we talking about here? Uh, Steve from Drumheller says, I like the signing, but wouldn't put him in until we lose, until, until we lose a game. I get all that stuff, but, I, you know, when you sign a guy, the other thing, too, is he's been, he hasn't played a game for, what, two months now? Maybe not quite two months, but what are we at here? Six six weeks to two months. So he hasn't played a game. Uh, he would be skating on his own. So he's ha- he's basically tried to stay in shape on his own, yep. working out and 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 playing. You know, not playing, but just you know, trying to stay sharp in that sense. So it, it it's going to take him a little while to get up to speed here. November nineteenth, November nineteenth game. Ooh, I don't Duke. know. See, I don't that's, know about that's that. A per- like Duke is on fire there. Like bang, just yeah, like that. He's got it. I don't know. I th- I think if if he's playing the mental game, I mean, look at Beckham when he was sidelined, mm-hmm. when he was off. I know he's not sidelined, but the mental game is so imperative. It is what makes and breaks the games. It's what makes and breaks the athletes. <laughs> and I'm just gonna say, just watch. He's got the maturity. How about, how about this one from the Dirty Dangler? Put Kane, Dry Saddle, and Perry together. They would be the Katy Perry line. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> a dirty dangler comes through. Um, a funny guy. It's been announced. He's wearing number ninety, Duke. Well, what do I know? That comes from Brett. <laughs> what do I know? We need to add depth for the playoffs. That comes from Robert. Yeah, we. Great signing, no risk from Robert. Corey Perry is wearing number ninety for the Oilers. No two four pack for you, Duke. It's a one year deal. Mark Spector reporting seven hundred seventy five thousand dollars plus performance bonuses, and the Oilers just announced it officially announced it a couple of minutes ago. A one year contract from uh, AAV seven hundred seventy five plus performance bonuses. Perry will wear number ninety. There you go, Duke. Do you feel, well, do you feel glad, glad I didn't uh, check in at the odds at playalberta.ca and place a wager? I took enough losses this weekend. So, why? So not, why? Why ninety? Like if this is well, like, like I just said, I don't. Care. I don't think he has yeah. any affinity for the numbers. He will wear whatever. This is a guy that, like, has had. He has nothing left to prove as a hockey player. Like he, he obviously loves the game because mm-hmm. he's into his late 30s now. Um, he's seen virtually all of the guys from his generation uh, kind of hang him up at this point. Only the true greats are still going. Um, keep in mind, his rookie season was the same as yeah. uh, Sidney Crosby's and Alex Ovechkin's. Um, 
he just loves the game and he, he keeps you know jumping team to team basically who will have him a chance to win well look at all the tr- he's made it to the cup final here three what? consecutive yeah. years so traded from Montreal at the bridge and losing the losing yeah. each of them yep. granted but he also already has a cup ring from his sophomore season in 07 mm-hmm. um, where his that line was one of the best in the playoffs it gets left led the team in points during the playoff run it's exciting I I, I think it's this is a, a big big uh, step big key. Uh, I think it adds so many variables and tangibles to this team. Uh, the experience, the leadership, uh, veteran presence, you know, all, all of the above. This is a, a guy that uh, has been there before. And I think, again, every every player hated playing against him, but when he was on your team, you loved it. So that's how you can, that's perfect. You can wrap that up in a nutshell. Uh, right off, uh, just by looking at that. When we come back, are you in or are you out? And guess who the first question is? It's about Corey Perry. Can you believe it? I don't Perfect. know how the Duke figured this one out today, but it's just simply amazing. That's coming up. Uh, Kevin Carey, Lorianne Munzer, Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Lorianne Munzer, Kevin Carius, fired up for another edition of Are You In or Are You Out? We had some great times. We're about to have some more. I know that look. We put it together a team. Then I'm in. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Are you in or are you out? On Sports 1440. I'm out. All right, Duke, let her rip, big fella. We are starting with the news that Corey Perry officially signing with the Edmonton Oilers on a one-year deal, 775K, the pro-rated number. I'm saying down the home stretch of this season and including the NHL playoffs, Corey Perry will score at a .5 point-per-game clip or better. Hmm. I'm going to start. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it, it's he's going to be one of the guys to watch. Definitely. Well, unfortunately, Loria and I am out on this. <laughs> um, it's going to take him a while to get up to speed again here. He's missing a couple months. Uh, 0.5 uh, points per game clip, remainder of the season. I'm out. I just think that it'll be less than that, less, opportunis- uh, l- less opportunities for him to play. I don't even see him. I don't see him on the uh, – he could could possibly be second unit power play, possibly – but uh, I don't even know about that right now, the way things are set up there. So I will just go, I'm out on this. I think he's a great addition. He'll add other elements, but that's asking for too many uh, points per game average. You don't Keep like in it. mind. I know, Duke, you're a big the, fan. I well, know, of, of I know. course, we all, we all know that. But in 21-22, playing for Tampa Bay, where he played in a similar role that he would be likely slotting in here in Edmonton, uh, probably playing up in the lineup if there was an injury or a line blender type situation, some secondary power play unit time. He put up 40 points in 82 games. Which is less than 0.5 per game. But. Well, but what? The playoffs, I said, included. <laughs> and I think I think that is what this signing is uh, is all about. I'll be honest with you. I think this signing comes very much on the heels of the lack of production from Connor Brown. Because the reason Connor Brown was signed, mm-hmm. and it's what so we've been saying all year, We've been patient, waiting for him to get up to speed, coming off the knee injury. But it's like we, we sign him for the playoffs. This is the time that a, a guy of, of with this skill set can contribute. Well, he hasn't done a lick 
offensively no. this year. Uh, so now all of a sudden you're like, well, we have to look elsewhere. And if it's going to matter in playoffs, this is a guy that's as proven as they come virtually in the playoffs. He scored some big yes. goals even in the later parts of his I career. Just, so. I just don't think that he's going to be at a half a game. Half it's, a it's, it'll, it'll be tough to do because the bottom six plays in yep. such limited minutes here in Edmonton. But uh, moving over to the NHL All-Star game, which is coming up uh, in just over a week's time. The four celebrity captains named Michael Bublé teaming up with the Hughes brothers, Will Arnett with Connor McDavid, Tate McRae with Nathan McKinnon, and then the fourth one was Justin Bieber Biebs, joining yeah. Austin Matthews. Biebs, yeah. And each each team with an assistant captain as well, all of them teammates, uh, except for, of course, the Hughes brothers as they are co-captains. All this to say... I think the, they did a good job pairing everybody up, but I think there was a bit of a mismatch in one of these. I think that Tate McRae should have been paired with the Hughes brothers and Michael Bublé with Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon, basically based on age <laughs> ranges alone. Like, if we're talking about marketing and stuff, why would you not place, like, the young pop star with the young, like, faces of their franchise's brothers? Is Neil Young still kicking around? I why, don't You know, think he's so. a big hockey guy. He that would have been awesome Honestly, to have Neil Young. I think, and I mean it makes sense because Bublé has been doing a lot of um, NHL type press and stuff this season. So I think this has obviously been in the works. That's kind of a lead up to it because he was on with uh, with our friends Ryan Whitney and Paul Bazinet on Spitting Chicklets yeah. a while back. It it all kind of like adds up in the long run. But like it just doesn't make sense why they paired why they paired these two singers with people kind of out of their demographics. Well, who's Tate? Who's Tate McRae going to be paired with then? She's with Makar and McKinnon. I know. Well, they're aren't they happy about it? Well, like, but they're they're a little they're older. They're in their well, Makar's well, not that old. He's in his mid twenties. Yeah. McKinnon late twenties. Well, how old's Tate McRae? Twenty. Twenty. Like, but the Hughes brothers. There's there's the youngest. They're the youngest ones. That <laughs> makes sense to me. I'm just thinking, like, if you're marketing, like, you got the young team, the the young upstarts, the young hot. Well, hip maybe they, youth movement. Maybe they're like. You know the coaches here are going. They've got they got to keep the Hughes brothers focused, or that, else you that know, could be a very real. They're just asking for trouble here. That that could be a possibility as well, right? How much trouble can LA, you get into, I mean, get I don't into know. Toronto? Yeah, on the well, I'll just go. I'm out. I I I'm in on this. I guess I don't even know. <laughs> I didn't. I never even knew who Tate McRae was until today. I didn't know until last night. There you either. go. So I'm actually in. I think it's going to be really interesting and fun to watch <laughs> and i think tate is gonna bring some energy uh some fun are they gonna be on the bench no. like like co-coaching no. can't be on the bench well, maybe are, for the skills night or something like what, what is their purpose then well they're trying to drum up support business they're but trying it's, so it's, to it's raise just, eyebrows just their name attached no to it, well nothing else. they're the, the nhl is trying to take a page out of they're trying to the do what the cfl is doing. no they're trying to take the a NFL. page out of the swifty book here that's yeah. what it is. And that's what I mean. So, like, if you're doing that. Well, Swifty's not on the bench. She's she could, in the press. She, she could she's be if she wanted suite. to. If she, She'd just have to lift her finger and uh, wield a little of her influence. She, she was too busy. She's she too could busy. be there in the sidelines, like, doing no, when the, no. in the timeouts, those people that run out with the and squirt the water <laughs> bottle, the water into the players' mouths for them because apparently they can't do it themselves. She's that, too worried about her brother-in-law now, Jason. That was, a, was a, a that, that was beautiful last night. You probably didn't see it. I didn't. Well, he had he's shirtless. He reminded me of like, well, he's just gunned, right? Oh, yeah. He got, he's, Big guy. So his brother's Tra Travis Kelsey. So yes. anyway, he's he's 
kind of retiring. We no one says for sure. Anyway, Jason had no shirt on in the in the luxury box. Came out, hopped out of the luxury right box, right out the front window, and it. just and everyone's going bananas. And he had a beer in each hand and one in his then back car- pocket. Carried a, carried a fan up to meet Taylor Swift <laughs> through the window. It was it was quite the scene. It was just bombed. And then the Bills lost. So yeah. everyone there uh, went home pretty sad. I think. Well, in the stands, not in that yeah, box. Not, not, yeah, in not that a, box, they were They were the happy opposite. in the box. They yes. were ecstatic. I yeah. saw the uh, Travis Little heart. To Did, <laughs> you think that Shout, was to Swifty? Shout, I'm like, really? Oh. Shouting out his boo. Yeah. Shouting oh, out his boo. Dude. so bad. Dude. <laughs> Wake not up. Not on the field. Not yeah. on the field. Wake up. All right. Uh, number three, Igor Sharangovich of the Calgary Flames paces all players across the NHL that are playing with a new team this season. 19 goals on the year. Three other players... Tied at 17. One of them is Alex Debrinket. I'm saying by season's end, uh, Debrinket will lead this category, and I think it will be with over 30 goals. Hmm. I'm going to go I'm uh, out on this one because I think it's going to be Sharon Golvich still yeah. leading the pack, and I think he's just playing out of his mind right now. I love the way he... Uh, he looks in in a Flames jerseys. I think they win that trade now. You think it's, it's pretty it. well. It's funny because one of the other players tied yeah. at seventeen is Tyler, Tyler Toffoli, Toffoli yep. uh, with seventeen on the year. But like you think they got the draft pick correct yep. and Sharon Govich. And I so. think that Sharon Govich kind of flew under the radar as part of that package because he had some success in Jersey, but kind of just fell out of favor because of how many talented forwards mm-hmm. they have. Right. So it's it was a good new landing spot for him. And I'm glad to see him have success. I like the way he plays. So I'm going to go with the Sharon Govich is going to still lead the pack ahead of Debrinket here. I'm going to go as well out and watching for the underdog. Alrighty. Number four this weekend at the uh, Amex second weekend of the PGA Tour being back in action. Nick Dunlap becoming the first amateur to win a PGA Tour event since 1991, which Coincidentally, is also the last time the Detroit Lions played in an NFC Championship game. Uh, but I'm saying, so that is 34, 33, pardon me, years ago. I'm saying there'll be another amateur winner on the tour within the next 10. I'm going to go, I'm out on this one. I just don't think it's so hard. That's a, there's a reason it's taken 31 years. So I'll say I'm out just because most of the amateurs, they just don't have the, the makeup. This is a this is catching lightning in a bottle here for for you to win on the PGA Tour. There's a reason that it hasn't been done in 31 years. The other thing is, I think Duke, if you are even close to um, playing at this level, you're going to turn pro anyway. So that's that's the, my caveat in there because you're you're probably going to be a pro golfer. You know, you, you might be 20, 21 years old. Yeah. So you're, you'll turn pro, and that takes you out of the amateur status. I'll, uh, I'll, I want to hear Lorianne's and then I'll uh, elaborate yeah. why I why I went with this timeline. I'm out. I think it's <laughs> going to take another 33 years to have this go. And very much like Kevin was saying is that there's there's only a certain amount of time that you have. Some of them are already going to go and turn pro. And I don't think I think it's still going to be a while a while. My thing is, so we saw, and I, I should have looked up his name, but the guy at the Masters last year was in the top 10 up until the final day, had a bit of a tough go in the final round. Uh, I think from one of the schools in Texas, he was there, fourth okay. year senior, fifth year senior some. Anyway, like the the gap, look at how many in every other sport they go straight from college, junior to pro as 18-year-olds. Get it. The gap between late teenager like on the brink of full adulthood 
their talent to full pros right now, I think is sh- the gap is shrinking. And so, and like the resources are all there for amateurs now. Like it's not like it used to be where you don't get this until you sign a, 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 a promotions deal or a marketing deal with whatever company to get the uh, tech, no, tech behind you to, to improve your swing, all the science, whatever. Like they have access to that in their college programs now. And so I just think like, it's uh, here's how I'll say it. I think it'll either happen sooner, obviously within the next ten years, or it will never happen again for the reason that you said, Kevin, where Guys people turn pro, turn pro yeah. soon earlier and earlier and earlier. So I think it's probably going to be one of those two sides. Like it'll happen right away again, relatively speaking, or never again. But like I said, this thirty-three year mm-hmm. thing, I, I don't see that happening um, down the road. So. Final one for you guys. This is a very relevant topic to us as our studios here are located inside West Edmonton Mall, which is kind of at its slowest part of the season, I would say, following the holidays and everything uh, before we jump into, I don't know, Valentine's Day shopping. Is that is that a thing that will uh, oh, per- yeah. perk up traffic at the mall? But either way, every day, Connor, Hallie, and I take our walk down the mall floor to go get a coffee, maybe a soda. Even still, even it's not busy, people meandering back and forth across the aisles traveling in the wrong direction to the flow. I'm saying that malls should have lanes marked exactly the same as roads do to do, to indicate direction of travel, turning lanes, passing lanes, etc. You know, what happens to you, Duke, on a weekend or, you know, like I just think about between the, this, whatever experience you had in the mall here walking towards, I don't know, Forrest Gump's here and then... <laughs> A shopping cart must have kind of lost its wheel, and T-bone. then T bone you there, and then um, like junk mail on you know on your windshield. It just it's, it's always an ending. adventure at the mall. It's never ending for you, Duke. <laughs> I think we should follow him around on a weekend. You know, have that camera just. Well, I don't know fun. how this is gonna. There's no way you can get. So you're gonna say everyone looks down. You, people are in the mall. They're people watching. They're store watching. But it, once you once you get it like indoctrinated, then it's just natural. Because here's the thing: it should be natural in your mind, just like on a road. So unless you're coming over here from Europe, that if you're walking, like you walk on the right hand side of a walkway, right? <laughs> like that's the people moving. This direction go on the right hand side, and then the ones coming at you are so on the left. So then you're saying on the, in the mall here, you have to go to the other side. No, you no, have no, to no. Walk each, all each, the way but around. Those consi- consider each side a different road. Like this is 170th Street over on this side, and this is 178th. So each side <laughs> has the lanes. Cliff texts in Duke will be a get off my lawn <laughs> curmudgeon. <laughs> Honestly, probably. Yes. There, there are certain things ah. that I see on a day, and we, we've went over so many of them, the putting your shopping cart back, the, the flyers on my windshield, all that. Like, there are certain things in, in today's like society, and quote George Costanza, we're yes. living in a society here that just drive me absolutely nuts. Yeah. And it's just the way things are. But that doesn't mean that I can't. So I'm out on this one. I just you, like I you think just it's don't see it being, no. you don't see it being feasible or what here. Kevin? LA's probably in. I I, think. I'll get out there and paint the lines yeah. myself. Yeah, you're like, what are you going to be like? Then what? It'll be like the one episode of Seinfeld when Kramer makes the way the lanes wider. <laughs> so what are you going to? You know, you're going to have a little like a roller along the one side of the mall here. Yeah, like you know those yardsticks, like the wheel, yes. the wheel things to measure. I'll have something like that where it's a, a line on. So I just run it out and roll it, and then it'll make a, a hmm. dash. And there'll be certain parts where you can't pass, so there'll be a solid line. What if, what if like, oh. so all of a sudden, what's the, 
If you had to pass, well, do you have to just wait there then, or what do you do? Well, no, there's, there's multiple, like you can move over, so is it slower like, moving to the right. So you don't like, you know, when you're on a one-lane highway, Duke, there's a lot of one lane. So was there, it'll say passing lane coming up in two kilometers? Is that what you'd... Something like that. So so there'll be a sign here in the mall. It'll say passing lane in 30 meters. Well, everything's so dual that's lane. Can wa- Everything will be dual lane. Slower I'm surprised traffic. they don't have a line down the middle of the walkway here at West Edmonton well, that's Mall. That's what I'm saying. Slower that's traffic. Lost right his Slower traffic to the right. <laughs> oh, you know that doesn't work on the Doug highway. Says, Duke's rant is driving me nuts. <laughs> probably because Doug probably is like, this is so true. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, Doug, there's so many mall walkers here. Like, mm. Okay, for the mall walking, I think that's a great idea. Thank you. Inside. Oh. Inside. Yeah. Because in wintertime, it's like you're so hooped. I don't know. I'm totally out. Malls should have lanes marked in the same direction. You're just going to create more chaos. Nard and dogs. If you're going to have the lanes, you got to have those crossing guards. <laughs> Like, you, I'm just saying, but at minus 40, they're not going to show yeah, up. Yeah, outside, outside, this is never, never, re- but like, we're indoors. It's Nar- a floor. Nard Dog says, yeah, hell yeah, Duke. Can we get something similar in grocery stores too? Maybe some cart parking etiquette in the aisles? Agreed. Couldn't agree more. I thought you were talking about outside. Oh, no, 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 it's all over the map. Inside. No. Yeah. Oh, I'm in. Okay, I'm changing. No, I'm, I'm in. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. There we go. I don't know, Duke. I think you've lost it. <laughs> Where do you come up with these questions? Well, that's the they, whole thing. It's just me living my daily life and finding things that, uh, you know, they like, it'll happen to me and it like just tickles my brain a little bit. I'll be like, what if? What if, what if I was the one in charge of shaping how social structure works and the norms of which uh, citizens have I to I think, abide Duke, by. you should probably run for city council here. Maybe I'll write a oh, book. That would be perfect. Oh, yeah. City council. I'll I want to go for a bike ride with you in no, the you summer. Don't. No, you no, don't. No, 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 I do. No. Your pace, your speed. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to write I'm gonna write up my personal <laughs> manifesto <laughs> with all these things in it. Andrew says, don't you remember they did these lanes during COVID? It failed. Yeah. <laughs> did it? We beat COVID. Because yeah. it was hear? walking one did, side one way and the other way. Didn't you hear? COVID's over. Yep. So. Pat Efron says, "Can the Duke add? Uh, can can the Duke add a no stopping sign in the mall too? Nothing makes me ticked off more than someone stopping on a dime just to talk to someone or look at something. Right in front of the doorways, they stop. Yeah, Cameron Sparky says, "Duke, will there be tickets if you pass that's, on a solid line? That's, that's a good follow. That's the job of <laughs> mall security to oh. ticket uh. violators." <laughs> Yeah. That's what we need is mall security now on this. Hey, that's sort of like, fo- no, why not just do it like photo radar? <laughs> yeah, Take just, a photo. Yeah, the government's already watching us and all their cameras, the CT, uh, closed caption TV network. Just use that to take pictures of people violating my mall walking lanes and your facial recognition software. Boom, you get your ticket in the mail. <laughs> the rig says, I'm surprised this came from Duke, a guy who grew up with no paved, <laughs> no paved roads or traffic lights that, from so, the rig. Yeah, it's once you move from a place with virtually lawlessness like the the sticks to a place where there is an order of things like laned roads and stuff then you get used to it and you think everything should operate that way it's it's a it's a process of order thing yeah it's just chaos out there is what it is well uh laurianne thanks for for uh some intellectual conversation with the duke this morning i think that's kind of far from it but this has been a hoot it's been a hoot yeah uh and uh we had good good chats with uh, with paula and of course with craig so yeah. it's good to have them on awesome thanks for popping in we will see you back here next 
Monday at 8. You betcha. So All much. right. Have That's a great Lori, day. Laurie and Munzer, uh, every Monday from 8 to 10. When we come back, it'll be our St. Albert Dodge game of the day, and we're going to feature a real good one tonight in the NHL. Winnipeg Jets in Boston to take on the Bruins. That's uh, coming up right after the break. Before that, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.